On today's episode of the John Campy Show podcast, we're going to be talking about a final trailer that just got released for The Flash, and it's probably the best one yet. Speaking of The Flash, the director has just revealed the identity of a major surprise cameo in the film. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Star Trek Strange New Worlds has just dropped a new trailer for season two, and it shows a crossover with the Star Trek animated show Lower Decks. The Shazam star Zachary Levi talks about wanting Green Lantern in Shazam 3, and Michelle Yeoh has completely killed the idea of an Everything Everywhere sequel. That and a whole bunch more of the John Campion Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the Internet, the John Campion Show, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I'm, of course, your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day to have you Our international friends gather around so we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. Not just giving you our opinions, but trying to give you information and context so you can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from mine. Joining me in studio today, we got Ray Ora. Of course, Jonathan Voiko is here. Hello. It is Wednesday, so our own Chris Carr. Wednesdays are her day off, so she's not joining us here today. So it's just, uh, just us here, guys. Hey, I want to let you guys know, too. We do a segment every day on the YouTube channel, and we're going to start putting it in the podcast called our Mint Mobile Hotline Question of the Day. Look down in the description of this video, and we're going to have the phone number that you can call and leave a voice message, and maybe we'll address your show, your question, I mean, on the show. All right, guys. That down. Uh, Let's dive right into it here, shall we? And let's not bury the lead. Let's talk about this Flash thing for a second. So... We already know going into the Flash movie, we made a video about this on the YouTube channel a little bit earlier, but we already knew going into this Flash movie that uh, we were going to get Michael Keaton's Batman. I mean, they pretty much announced that almost as soon as they announced the movie was going into production. We also knew that Ben Affleck was popping up there as Bruce Wayne. Uh, We know Jeremy Irons is back as Alfred. There's one or two other ones that I'm not sure if they're public knowledge or not. I mean, they don't make any kind of a major impact on the movie, but there's a couple of other ones. But director Andy Muschietti, who is a, just did a remarkable job on this Flash movie, like unbelievably good job on this Flash movie. He just did an interview and in it, he made a pretty big reveal. Now, I think we let it, made it pretty clear in the title of this podcast that there's a big reveal, cameo reveal. We're about to discuss what it is. If you don't want to know what it is, maybe fast forward a little bit. But I do assure you that knowing this cameo does not impact your overall understanding of the movie. It doesn't really impact the movie at all. You could have taken this cameo out of the movie. It doesn't change a single thing. It's very, very small. But it's significant. I've warned you. And now, here it is. And again, it's a very, very small, very, very short cameo. Cameo that doesn't even have any dialogue. No lines are spoken. All right? Here it is. Nicolas Cage appears as Superman. Now, some of you will instantly recognize why that's significant. Because decades ago, Tim Burton, following his success with his Batman movies, was getting ready to direct a Superman movie called Superman Lives, which, by the way, is the subject matter of our friend, the late, great John Schnepp's documentary, Superman Lives, What Happened? The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? in which uh, John Schnepp documented the development, the story, the uh, the process of getting the movie together, and how in its 
final days right before starting to shoot, the movie got scrapped. You should definitely go and catch, uh, catch that. But for movie fans, in particular comic book movie fans, it is a story of legend that Nick Cage was going to be Superman. There's images out there and everything of Nick Cage in the Superman costume getting ready to shoot this movie. It's pretty hilarious. And they made the very ballsy decision to have a quick little cameo of Nick Cage as Superman. And again, it's very, very small. There's no lines of dialogue. It doesn't impact the movie whatsoever. But but there you have it. And we talked about in the video this morning when we were talking about this, about the fact that you're going to be in movie theaters and when Nick Cage pops up as Superman, you're going to tell immediately which people knew or know about Superman lives and which people do not. Because I think there's a lot of people in the movie going audience have no idea about that Tim Burton Superman movie. And they're going to, you're going to get a lot of confused people in the movie <laughs> theaters going, why, why is Nicholas Cage <laughs> Superman? Um, and meanwhile, you're going to hear a bunch of other people in the theater that are going to go, yeah, those are the ones that knew about Tim Burton's movie. Or Tommy. Yeah, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Tommy, look at everybody's Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> does, they do kind of make it look like that a little bit in there. Um, I thought it was a really fun little addition. Again, it doesn't impact the movie. It doesn't. It's very small. It's very um, inconsequential to the film. But it was just a neat little thing to throw in there for people who are a little bit more dug in, a little bit more in the know, if you will, Ray, that, you know, that this is there for them. It's not only neat. It, there's something like I, I feel like it's kind of special that Muschietti actually dug deep down to something that Schnepp worked hard on to like uh, bring people like, you know, because I never knew about the Nicolas Cage thing until I heard Schnepp was doing the documentary. So. Right. So I I think it's a special thing that he brought that into this movie because it's a good movie. It's not a trash movie where it's like, why do you even do that? You know what I mean? Or that that cameo was everything in this movie and nothing else. Like this movie is good. So it's, it's just a cherry on top, I think. For- I, I choose to believe and I, have, you know, maybe if I get a chance to talk to Andy Muschietti, I'll ask him this question. I choose to believe that were it not for John Schnepp's documentary... I bet this cameo doesn't happen. Oh, I, I think there's would, a lot of so people. Out I'm there. on the same page as you. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of people out there who are only aware of Nicolas Cage's pending Superman movie that he was going to do decades ago because of John Schnepp's documentary. That would be one of the things that I would be completely shocked if he said no. I, you know, I would be shocked. Yeah, if he said honest. there's a documentary about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. and it's uh, it is fitting that they're including. Obviously, he's majorly featured in the trailers, but it's Tim Burton's Batman. And this would have been Tim yeah. Burton's Superman. Uh, so, so there, yeah. So it is poetically appropriate that well, they put that all together. One thing is the cameo is so quick. I couldn't figure out whether that look exact look in the film is the ones that we've seen in the pics. Like it is down to the suit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, if it is that, then that's even probably, more well, I mean, I should be careful of saying that because remember if, if you go back to Schnepp's documentary, there were several suits that Nicolas Cage was in, right? Right. So, I, I again, we shouldn't go into the specific details yeah. about it, but I, I, it might have been one of the same ones. I like to think it's one of the same yeah. ones. Um, but, yeah, so there's that. All right. With that down, uh, let's stay on the topic of The Flash for a second and discuss this. Uh, again, The Flash is coming out in a little less than three weeks. Oh, sorry, just a little bit over three weeks from now. We're in the final stretch here. And, of course, 
Ray and I have already seen this movie. We absolutely adore it. We love it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And now they put out what they are calling the final trailer. Last night, uh, DC and Warner Brothers dropped what they dubbed as the final trailer for The Flash. And what I said in the video earlier today on the YouTube channel is, and I stand by it, they saved the best for last. This is a remarkable trailer because to me, it's a trailer that does everything a trailer needs to do right, okay? It gives you a sense of the DNA of the film. This is going to be an exciting and fun movie, and they put a lot of excitement and fun in the trailer. It's most importantly, it's a trailer that gives you as a viewer a basic idea about what the movie's about. I think one of the big reasons some movies have failed badly is because they've had marketing campaigns where they never bothered to tell the audience, hey, this is what the movie's about, right? Blade Runner 2049 is one of the big culprits of that. It's like, hey, everybody, look, it's the world of Blade Runner, as if that obligated people to run out and buy tickets for. It's like, well, wait a minute, what is this movie even about? Oh, we're not going to tell you. Just, uh, just take our word for it. Just trust us. Come to the movie theaters. Okay, but we see Ryan Gosling's in it. So what's the basic idea? What's what's Ryan Gosling's motivation in the movie? What's what's his goal? What's his quest in this movie? Ah, nah, we're not going to tell you that. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Blade Runner 2049 was did very disappointingly at the box office. And I think there's, there's a lot of movies these days that do that, where they don't even bother to tell the... Like, Ray, if you went into Best Buy and you saw a big white box on a shelf and it said, I don't know, $49.99, right? Big white box. Oh, mystery but there's box. nothing on the box telling you what's inside it. <laughs> Are you just going to pick up the box and buy it? He might. <laughs> yeah, he might. Yeah, Ray you might. asked the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. You asked the wrong person. If it was like action figures in the action figure section, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but no, it's, it's just a white box. And you ask the Best Buy. No, salesman, no, I wouldn't. Hey, Come on. Uh, that's... What's in the white box? Oh, just trust us. It's really good. You want to buy it. Well, can you at least tell me what it is I'm buying? No, no, no. We don't want to ruin the surprise. Just give us your $49.99 and take our word for it. Like, no, that, nobody would buy it. Uh, yeah. Right? And this I... trailer... This trailer gave us the fun, gave us the action, gives you a really ba good basic basic idea, not giving big things away, a good basic idea about what the gist of the story is. And so now moviegoers are now informed consumers that they go, okay, now I feel more comfortable dropping 15 bucks to go watch this movie because now I know what I'm getting. And, and, and you know what I love about the tra trailer is that every every piece of this movie is shown to you. Right. So the movie is not based on cameos like people aren't going to right. say on cameos. They've showed you what it has. It's just a story within this movie that makes it so good. Like I agree. The way it's like it's like the past the past DC movies. Some of them have been, you know, come see it. You don't know who's going to appear or whatever like that or anything. This I love that they showed they showed their hand already. Right. I mean, there's still a couple of cameos that they have. I don't shelf, remember right? them. I just remember a good movie. <laughs> I just remember a good movie, good movie is what I, I, I love about it. So here's so. the thing, too. Uh, and I, I hate to draw comparisons, but see, I can't help but think about Fast X. Right. This is a great example. So Fast X has great fight scenes. Great. Car I enjoyed them very much. The, the car chase scenes were great. But it's a stupid as hell story. There is no story. The dialogue is god awful. Massive plot holes. Like it's just in every other way, other than fights and car chases, the movie sucks. 
Whereas, whereas you take Flash. Don't see it. <laughs> don't see it today. Put that on the poster. The movie sucks. You don't get it. Whereas you take the Flash. Hey, guess what? It gets the action scenes fun and exciting. It gets really great fight scenes. But they didn't just go, well, that's good enough. No, they put in wonderful dialogue a great story, some really good emotional hooks. Oh my like God. They and build that... a good movie with action rather right. than just taking, let's take some piece of shit and just drop good action in it. And that's what makes the difference between a movie you can go and watch like Fast X. And again, I, I don't regret that I saw Fast X. There's enough in it that kind of entertained me. But that's the difference between a movie you can go watch and a movie like Flash, which you must go watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wasn't a big fan of like, let's say, the, I know I'll probably get shit for this but i the michael keaton batman uh movies they weren't that big i just didn't catch on to them i i watched them but there weren't really any michael keaton is great in this movie he's, he's so good in this movie and the opening it actually makes me watch want to watch that batman movies again that's how good he is yeah and i've never felt like that before i'll, I'll go one step further I think he's better as Batman in this movie oh. than he was in his other Batman movies. He's at least mobile, like at least. His neck could move in this okay. one. <laughs> he was so good in this movie. But that opening is so good, too. Well, yeah. We yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not saying, but the open. Don't be late to this film. Yeah, you don't, can't miss don't this Don't walk opening. in two minutes late. Make sure you're there on time and, yeah. and you're watching this movie. So, uh, yeah, the, you know, Jonathan, you saw, again, you haven't seen the movie. No. So I mentioned in the video earlier today that in this room, you were the only one who got to watch this trailer as somebody who hasn't seen the movie I'm so yet. So jealous. And yeah, me too. You're I'm so jealous of your me. general thoughts about the trailer. Because it just showed general action shots, it didn't give away any more plot points. I was all for this trailer. Um, I, I, it just added a little more to the tone. It sold me a little more on what I was hoping it was going to be. So I would almost say this was a perfect trailer, a perfect final trailer. Let me put it that way. Yeah, We've already got the reveals that we needed to. I don't need any more reveals. Um, we already got enough of the story. We understand. He's, you know, he's yeah, flying through time. And again, the basic, just the story, right? Okay. And But this just added more to the tone. I Like I said earlier on our, on our uh, video, uh, it's so fitting that they used uh pink floyd's time in this <laughs> oh, in yeah, this trailer yeah, yeah. yeah oh, it hit all the all the all the marks for me and into the story part so what does this thing tell us it tells us this barry is misses his mom he realizes he can use time travel to try to go back and save his mom he's warned by bruce don't do it because bad things could happen he does and realizes bad things happened and now i got to fix it that gives you the setup of the story that gives you the problem of the movie and the setup of the movie. And it tells you exactly what you need to know and go, okay, that sounds interesting. I want to go see that story. And it, it doesn't tell you what happens once everything gets ruined. It doesn't tell you how he goes about trying to fix it. It doesn't tell you whether or not he fixes it. Right. It doesn't do any of that. It just says, here's the basic idea of the story. And they laid it out so well. And it's two hours and 34 minutes. It went by fast for me. It like really I'm, did. And, um, you know, before the when we were talking about it, the our chat our chat room it was divided on whether people wanted to see it or not. Time has passed. Um, I hope everyone sees it. Just has a good time, you know. If you don't want to see it, then like I understand, but you know, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a it's a very good movie. It's it'll be hard to top this Blue Beetle or Aquaman. It'll be hard. They're to not going to top, gonna top it. 
they're not. Listen, James Gunn, here's the thing. Well, you know what? We shouldn't get into a huge overall discussion, but we're here to talk about the Flash trailer. So we'll just leave it yeah, at yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, let's just leave it. I'm sorry. So guys, <laughs> um, have you guys had a chance to see this new Flash trailer? If not, I do recommend you go check it out. It's I think it's the best trailer they put out so far. I think ticket sales are going to take a big jump as a result of this trailer. So uh, yeah, make sure you go check it out. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this here, shall we? You know, uh, Star Trek, they've been doing a bit of a resurgence uh, with Paramount Plus and all that kind of stuff. They, of course, had Star Trek Discovery, uh, which I like that show. I mean, it, it's had its stronger points. It's had its weaker points. Overall, I think it's, it's been a pretty good show. They've had Star Trek Picard, which has been mixed. They I liked season one. Wasn't a big fan of season two. Season three is really quite good. Um but then they came out with this Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm not a big fan of the title of the show, but it basically follows Captain Christopher Pike and Spock on the Star Trek, uh, on the Starship Enterprise. And of course, these characters were introduced on Star Trek Discovery. And the show is fantastic. It is the best of the new Star Trek. Um, and actually, if you go over to Rotten Tomatoes, Star Trek Strange New Worlds has the highest rating of any Star Trek show in history, including the original series. <laughs> it holds a 99% critic rating um, on Rotten Tomatoes. And, and I can't remember the exact audience rate, but a very, very high audience rating as well. It's a fantastic series. They do a really, really good job. I, I will say, not having... I, I think I watched episode one. I thought it was good. I will say, this... It looks so cinematic. I'm impressed by the way this show looks. It looks like a movie. They do a it, very good job making it feel cinematic. It, it wasn't just Paramount slapping this on their streaming service just because they have the property. It looks like there's some love put into the show, like yeah. a lot of love. I agree. So and it that. shows with the response that it got. And season two is now coming out and they dro just dropped a new trailer for season two. Again, I think it's a wonderful Wonderful trailer. It looks really good. Again, it looked very, to your point, Ray, it looked really cinematic. But one of the big interesting things about the trailer is that they show that at some point in the season, they are doing a crossover with the Star Trek animated series, Lower Decks. Now, I have watched about a grand total of five minutes of Lower Decks. I've watched two episodes. Did you? Yeah. Did you like it? Because it, it, I, I only watched a few minutes. It didn't feel like it was for me. It, 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 it was, it's okay with me. Okay. Yeah. So I, I am not a lower decks expert by any stretch of the imagination. I just watched a few minutes of it. It's like, eh, it didn't really feel like it was for me. So I, so I haven't watched it. But it is really interesting that not only are they doing a crossover of shows, but they're doing a crossover of an animated show. And if I understand it right, they even got the actors who voice the characters to portray them, including, I forget what the kid's name is, the dude who plays Dewey on uh, The Boys. Oh, the main, oh, the main oh. guy, uh, Huey, I mean, Dewey. <laughs> Huey on The Boys. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Yeah, that's right. That totally got <laughs> ducktails on the brain. Um, the guy, the kid who plays Huey, he's a, he's a celebrity son, and I can't remember which one it is now. I'll but anyway, get that for you. Yeah, look that up for me. He, I mean, so he's one of the characters. Now, what's really interesting too is the fact that Lower Decks takes place like over a hundred years. Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid. Thank you, Dennis Quaid's son. Mm. So, Lower Decks takes place over a hundred years after the events 
of Star Trek Strange New World. So clearly, not only are they doing a crossover, not only are they doing a crossover of animated characters in live action, but they're trans time. They're, they're doing it trans time. So obviously, there's going to be some kind of element of time travel in it. So look, I will say this. The purpose of a trailer, whether it's for movies or TV, is to increase your interest in watching it. I was already on board for Strange New World Season 2, but I got to say this trailer, even though I don't watch Lower Decks, this has made me even more interested in watching this season. And I'm jealous for anyone who's fans of the Lower Decks who actually uh, follows it and Strange New Worlds, because this idea to me is good, is is awesome, to, for me at least. Imagine your favorite uh, animated show has a live action show too, and then they cross over. I, I really like this. It could end up being a disaster, but you know what? I actually feel like watching more Lower Decks just so I could start watching Star, uh, Strange New Worlds to see this uh, crossover. So it, it did its job, this trailer. And But I don't know if it's going to be a season-long crossover or if it's going to be one episode. I have a feeling it's probably more like one episode, but mm-hmm. still, it looks pretty interesting yeah. that they're doing that. Yeah. All right. Guys, have you been watching Strange New Worlds? Like, do you like that show? Maybe you don't watch it at all. I know, I think Strange New Worlds is the best new Star Trek thing done since. Well, I think it's the best Star Trek probably since Star Trek: The Next Generation. I, mean, I, I really, I really love it. I think it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. With that down, guys, let's move on to this. You know, I adore, absolutely adore the Shazam movies, uh, particularly the first one. The first one, I it, it was for a period of time, my second favorite DCEU movie. Obviously, my favorite is Man of Steel. Everybody knows how much I love Man of Steel. Um, but my second favorite for a while was actually the first Shazam movie. That got replaced in the number two spot by James Gunn's Suicide Squad, and that's about to get replaced by Flash, but that's a topic for another time. Point is, I love Zachary Levi. I've loved him ever since um, uh, Chuck, and I love him in this role, and I love that movie. Then Shazam 2 came out. Not as good as Shazam 1, but I still had a very, very enjoyable time watching that movie. It was it made my heart smile. I thought it was charming and cute and, and fun. When the action kicks in, I thought the action was pretty good. Again, not as good as the first one, but I, I still enjoyed it quite a bit. The problem is the word flop doesn't do it justice of what happened to Shazam 2. Shazam 2 made almost one third of what the first Shazam did. It only made about $133 million at the box office in a time and era where big comic book films are making that much money on their opening weekends. Shazam 2, worldwide, grand total of $133 million. That almost sounds like a joke. It almost sounds like the setup to a joke, and now we're waiting for the punchline. It was maybe the worst flop in the history of comic book movies. Maybe. Uh, I'm sure there's a discussion to be had there about it. <laughs> Which, again, is too bad because I, I like the movie. I do, but it flopped hard. Anyway, Zachary Levi has mentioned before in the past that he would like to see Shazam and Green Lantern crossover. He said it before. Well, he's brought it up again. In, in a new interview, he was asked, you know, who could who could also appear in Shazam 3? And he says, well, I'd really like to see Green Lantern in a Shazam 3 join us as we fight hordes of the undead. Right? He was specific in saying... Green Lantern, and specific in saying, joining us as we fight hordes of the undead. 
Okay, so let's put the Green Lantern part of that aside for a second. It sounds like they've already been given some thought about what a Shazam 3 would be. Because he doesn't just say it would be great to fight alongside Green Lantern. He specifically says, fight along Green Lantern as we fight hordes of the undead. So that sounds, to me, like he was in a room and there was discussions going on about what direction Shazam goes next and, and what's the thing. And it sounds like maybe fighting hordes of the undead. The Green Lantern part is interesting. Uh, I, I mean, I think all of us would love to see what a Green Lantern would look on screen like these days. By the way, I don't think personally that Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern movie was nearly as bad as everyone and he himself makes it out to be. I don't think it's very good. I liked it. I, 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 I don't think it's it's one of the great combo. I don't think it's very good, but I don't think it was this huge dumpster fire that people made. it. Actually, you know what? The first half of the movie I thought was quite good. I thought the first half of that green. Anyway, yeah. that's a separate topic. Um, does do either of you guys disagree? What that there is no chance in hell that a Shazam three gets made? Uh, I, I'll, 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 I don't in this iteration. I'll say yeah, it's, yeah. it's not a bad thing that he's thinking about it, especially if he hasn't been I don't told. Blame him for thinking if, about if, it, especially if he hasn't been told like concretely that his Shazam's not moving forward. You know, he's just maybe he's just planning ahead just in case. Just in case, who knows. Well, he, uh, you could even take it a step further. It's not in this iteration, but it could still be played by Zachary Levi. But it's just a reboot franchise. I mean, that's it's a little more of a stretch, but I could see it that way, but I just don't see in this run, you know. I can totally see. Like I don't look, I I don't think we're going to see Zach Levi as, as Shazam anymore. I don't think, but I think it's totally possible. Like I think Shazam can still, and I, I mentioned this in the video earlier. I still think it's possible that Shazam could show up in the DCEU and show up in movies. I just don't know how any Warner brothers executive, even if James Gunn comes and says, Hey, my next movie is going to be Shazam three. I don't know how David Zaslav or any of the execs at WB say, we can't green light that. I mean, that's just, I mean, he's James, you're the head of the studio. You're in charge, but we're going to have to try to stand in your way because the last one lost us ungodly amounts of money. But like, what if it's a max exclusive? Like there's a separate, separate DC universe on max. Okay. Oh, but that's the thing. David Doslov has already pointed out yeah. that, Making these exclusive for Max movies don't make any money. Right. That doesn't make them money. Yeah. Right? Like direct so it would video. be even more financially costly for them, even if they wanted to do it on Max. So I again, I don't think it's impossible that we could see Zach Levi pop up as Shazam again in the future. I don't think he will, but I don't think it's impossible. I just think what's impossible is that it would be as Shazam 3. Uh, because what are they what what is their best case scenario, honestly? What is their path to a win here? Because you just went from the first movie making $360 million mm -hmm. to the second movie making $133 million, which is one of the worst flops, if not the worst flop in, in comic book movie history. What's your winning scenario here? We make a third one, and this time $500 million is going to get made? I, I just don't see what they could possibly what if, do. What if they transition to a, a animation? Shazam 3. It's an animated Shazam 3 by the Warner Brothers animation. Right, so that brings up two questions. Question number one, <laughs> would more people go to an animated Shazam movie or would more people go to a live action? Live oh, action. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I'm right? not saying this is so going to release in theater. If the answer is less, <laughs> then, I, I again, I, it's it, just... 
I just think they got to move on. Right. Anyway, that's our thoughts. Like, guys, what do you think about that? Like, do you think possibly that we could see Zachary Levi pop up as Shazam more moving forward, either as just Shazam in other movies or in a Shazam 3? I don't see the road ahead for that myself, but maybe you do. All right. With that down, guys, let's cover one last uh, main topic here, and that's this. One of the best movies of the last number of years, and certainly even in a world where DC and Marvel are doing multiverse, the best multiverse movie out there is Michelle Yeoh's Everything Everywhere All at Once. It is simply uh, an incredible film that basically swept the Oscars. It won, I believe, Best Screenplay. It won for Best Directors for for the Daniels. They won Best Director. And most importantly, of course, for the film, it ended up winning the big prize, Best Picture, and fully deserved. It was the biggest success that the Studio A24 has ever had financially, well-deserved. And it won several of the acting awards as well. It's just a phenomenal film. It's original. It's creative. It's emotional. It's funny. It's warm and it's kind of dirty in, in many, many ways. It's also kind of a dirty film. And I love that. Bring on the filthy. I adore it. So whenever you have big successes like that, a natural question is, should we do a sequel? When fans love a movie, they would love to see another one. When a studio has financial success, and again, this is the biggest financial success. I mean, it's not a big blockbuster when you measure it up against, you know, Harry Potter movies or comic book movies. No, but it's the biggest success that A24 ever had. So both from a fan perspective and from a studio executive perspective, you got to think that the conversations of everything everywhere all at once. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Everything everywhere all at twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything Everywhere, All at Twice, the sequel. You got to assume that there's been some discussion about doing that. Well, maybe there was. Maybe at some point there was. But there ain't going to be one. Because the Academy Award winner for Best Lead Actress, Michelle Yeoh, from Everything Everywhere All at Once, has pretty much come out and shot that down. Uh, This is coming from an interview that Michelle Yeoh did with Variety, talking about the possibilities of a sequel for Everything Everywhere. And she said this. There is no sequel. You know, it's one of those movies where it's, we would just be doing the same thing. We already fought the biggest enemy, which is sometimes ourselves within ourselves. And we uh, brought out the message of how we're going to do it and reminded every one of you that, and reminded every one of you is a superhero because we all have, we all inherently have the superpower of love, compassion, and kindness. We don't need a cape to be a superhero. We can do it every day, anytime we choose to, so no sequel. Again, just the first line of Michelle Yeoh's quote, there is no sequel. So that kind of puts the foot down. Now, one could say that they sort of said the same thing about Joker, right? When Joker made a billion dollars and they said, no, 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 Joker's a standalone film. It's a standalone film. (gasps) Well, then it made a billion dollars and then it got nominated for Best Picture and Joaquin Phoenix won the Academy for it. And all of a sudden, there's a sequel, there's a Joker part two coming out. So you could say that, that, okay, yeah, I get it that they're saying there's no sequel for everything, but but they'll probably change their mind. You know what? I don't think so. It doesn't sound like that. Aside from the fact that this movie did not make a billion dollars, 
It made a lot of money for A24, but it did not make a billion dollars. And it sounds pretty definitive. And what Michelle Yeoh said makes sense. She said, we already fought the ultimate. You can't get a bigger villain and bigger stakes than what you had in the first movie, right? The literal wiping out of everything in reality. There is no bigger stakes. The main family conflict gets resolved in a beautiful way. I mean, it's really all done. So listen, while I would be the first person to line up to go see an every, everything sequel, I, I got to say, I agree with the decision. I agree that there won't be one. I agree that there probably shouldn't be one. I, I don't know, Jonathan, could, could you possibly see a path that they could do a sequel to everything everywhere all at once? There's a path. I mean, unlike Joker, where you're dealing with an IP where people are like, of course you could go on and make another one of these. The creators didn't want to at the time. They changed their mind, but there was a there was an appetite for it for sure. With a movie like Everywhere, Everything Everywhere All at Once, it's like it seemed very insular. It seemed like it it really the story is not about the multiverse. It's about love family, communication, and being there for each other. I mean, that's really what it is at the end of it. wasn't about defeating an enemy in a multiverse that, right. that, that was the pretext for, we never talk, we don't communicate. You know what I mean? Um, so I feel like since the whole movie was basically an analogy anyway, it's like, what, what is the big bad next? It's, it's not about superheroes and defeating enemies. So yeah, they could make another one. Sure. And maybe they could even make it more compelling. You know, I'm not the creators of this, so wiser men and women know better than me. So, yeah, sure, you could. I, I just feel like you don't need to with a film like this. It's different from Joker because that's based in comics, and, and we have sequel after sequel. We're conditioned for that. Uh, it, you also make a point it didn't make a billion dollars. Does this track lower or does – the significance of all of its Academy wins push people into theaters. I don't know. I mean, they would for opening weekend, but then if it didn't, if it wasn't as good as the original, then you're going to get a trail. So me personally, I feel like, no, move on to something else. I want to see the, the, these writers and, and, and their talent. I want to see that used for other stories now. And, and to the point we're talking about how like, look, everything everywhere didn't make a billion dollars like the Joker. You might be asking how much did it make? Get this. It made $140 million. Mm. $140 million. Yeah. Now that's more than Shazam 2 did. <laughs> and it does represent the biggest box office hit in the history of um, of A24. But yeah, it's I not think, like it's a guarantee. I think the problem is, is that the the sequel is is begging for a spectacle, but but at its heart, the movie was not about spectacle. No, at its heart, the story, the movie's about a mother and her daughter. Yeah. Right? And, and that's even a husband and a wife. It. All right, guys. For you, we ask, what do you think about that? Like, would you be down for an everything sequel? I know I would be down for it, but I just don't know where you go with it or, or what the purpose of it would be, even though it did win all the Academy Awards. And again, the studio's biggest hit that they've ever had. What do you guys think about it? All right. Guys, with that down, we are now going to go over and start taking questions that our YouTube channel members have submitted. If you are one of our great YouTube channel members, thank you so much for being a channel member. A little bit earlier, we put up a post in the uh, community tab of our YouTube channel asking our channel members if they had questions for the show. Now, we're going to get to those in just a second. But before we do, we're going to take just a moment here and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of The John Campia Show. Our friends at Mint Mobile and Helix. 
This video is sponsored by Helix Sleep. Their Memorial Day sale is running now, and it's a great time to upgrade your mattress. You can get 25% off your purchase for a limited time. Check out the Helix site for more details. Guys, Helix Sleep offers the best premium mattresses, custom fit to your needs, conveniently shipped right to your door. And in case you're not 100% sure which mattress is best for you, Helix Sleep's quiz matches you to the perfect mattress based on your body type and sleep preferences. Guys, you know Ann and I have had our Helix mattress for almost a year. And even when we go to Las Vegas and stay in these beautiful hotel rooms, we can't wait to get home to get a great night's sleep in our Helix mattress. The mattress comes rolled up in a box and is easy to set up. And there's even a hundred night sleep trial to test the mattress out to ensure that you love it. And good news, Helix is having a great Memorial Day sale that goes from May 15th to June 4th. Visit helixsleep.com campia to get 25% off your Helix mattress, plus two free pillows during their Memorial Day sale, running now for a limited time. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile and, of course, Helix for giving me the greatest night's sleep I've ever had in my life for sponsoring this episode of The John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to those questions here that our channel members have been firing in. So, uh, Jonathan, what do we got? All right. Uh, first off, I just want to make a quick note. Uh, the loss of Tina Turner was just reported. She passed away at age 83. What? Yeah, I just saw this come through on Los Angeles Times. Oh, I just got a push no. notification. Oh, no. So that's tragic. Uh, she was 83, but out of nowhere, right? Yeah, I, I had no idea. Um, so, first up here, we have Alan S. Happy Wednesday, John Ray and Jonathan. John, uh, John, you mentioned yesterday how you will do your best to always support good Canadian kids. Ever since <laughs> I started watching you, I don't think you have ever mentioned any bad Canadian kids. Can you think of any not-so-good Canadian kids? I don't think I can. I am really proud of our fellow Canadian celebrities. Um, yeah, I mean, when you go down through our our, our good Canadian kids celebrities, you're, you're talking about, like, I mean, Lauren Green, William Shatner, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds, Rachel McAdams, uh, on and on and on the list goes. And every day we're talking about more. Denis Villeneuve right now, maybe the greatest director in the world at the moment, good Canadian kid. All Canadian, even The weekend. good Canadian kid. has got his new uh, show coming out called The Idol that looks like it's total garbage, but good Canadian kid. So I'll get behind him anyway. Uh, you know, one of my funniest things I've read in a long time was, I remember when the U.S. and Canada we're about to go to battle in a gold medal hockey game. Um, 
one of the U.S. players put out on social media, loser takes Justin Bieber, who is, of course, also a good Canadian kid. And I remember one of the Canadian players responded, you broke him, you keep him. Uh, you broke him, you bought him, or something like that. And you know, my, my wife's a big Justin Bieber guy, so whatever. Actually, sat beside Justin Bieber, Bieber in a private box at a, at a Los Angeles Kings Toronto Maple Leaf hockey game once, and he was wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf jersey, so I don't care. He's good in my books for life. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. All right, what's oh, next? Oh, I got one. What's that? Rob Ford. Who's Rob Ford? You the former Toronto mayor? We're talking about entertainment industry. Oh, We're talking okay. about. Yeah, yeah, I just think of any. I just looked up Canadians who did <laughs> Canadians who did bad things Infamous online. Infamous Canadians. Carla <laughs> Homolka. Yeah. All right. What's all right. next? Nickelback. All right. Nickelback. <laughs> just for just collectively. Just collectively. All right, there you go. There's your answer. Victor Rodriguez writes: Got advance tickets to see The Flash in IMAX on June 12. Uh, excited to see this movie with all the hype surrounding it. Anyways, hope you're all having a great day and bring on the uh, keep bringing on the filthy. You know what? Again, all film is subjective, so not everybody will love this film, right? Just let's just say that not everybody's gonna love it because not everybody loves Godfather, not everybody loves Star Wars, not everybody loves Lord of the Rings. There are gonna be people who don't like this film, and that's perfectly fine. But I think a lot of you are gonna love it. It's uh, it's really really good, and mm -hmm. I think an awful lot of you. They will love, love it. it. I will say they will love it. Yep, I think a lot of will. <laughs> I'm right. so jealous. What's next? All right, uh, we got a flash question here, but a different flash. Jacob Hirsch writes: Can't believe the Flash series finale is tonight. What has been yours and the team's favorite moments from the show, or just Arrowverse in general? Um, that's a big question. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I haven't watched Flash in a couple of years now, and, and I have overall really enjoyed the show, but I felt it was time to wrap up that show a couple of years ago, so I, I kind of ditched on it. Um, Arrow was always still my favorite uh, that they did, but honestly, I the first one or two episodes, <laughs> I think my favorite moments in the Arrowverse were the first one or two times they did the big crossover events. Uh, this is even back when it was just like Barry and Oliver. And I particularly remember one where Barry was basically trying to train or uh, Oliver was trying to train Barry. You know what I my think my favorite thing in general about the whole Arrowverse, not Arrow, but Arrowverse, was the fact that they really made Oliver the Batman of that universe, mm -hmm. right? Whereas he was the one guy with no superpowers, but he was the one guy everybody was afraid of. And that's why like when they did the like Crisis on Earth X thing, it was like in this dystopian alternate reality who's the one that actually ruled the world uh, oliver did <laughs> because and i love the fact that they kind of made him that de facto batman figure um and i think that's probably what was my favorite thing about it all right what's next all right uh christian rodriguez writes ray can't even see you and i know you're looking fly again bro nice kicks <laughs> love you john <laughs> ray listen Say what you want about anything else. I, I got I got to give it up. Why did you say it like that? Yeah. Everything else about Ray sucks, but follow me here. No, no. Ray has such a better fashion taste than I do. He always has really good clothes. He's always wearing. I. You know what? At Ray, ask me how many pairs of shoes I have. You have like two. I have two pairs of shoes. Yeah, and I know that because I bought you one of them. <laughs> yes, you did. For yes, Christmas. You did. I the said, good, pair. good in these. And like, you know what? Sometimes you need a brother to help you out. When I'll Ann and I out. are going out to something that's kind of nice, I wear those ones. I, I wear those ones. I, Ray, and sometimes I'll say about one out of every eight times that I go over to the house, I will find something, some <laughs> article of Ray's clothing around and I'll go, I 
like that. And I just and, uh, and we'll be like, take it. it, go pick it. He don't mind. And then we'll go out and I'll be like, that's mine. That's <laughs> <laughs> my jacket. Or my yeah. That's fine. Ray's got wrong. way better fashion taste. Yeah, than that's fine. You know. Honestly, if I if I was a richer man and I wasn't doing our show anymore, I would probably still just I would hire Ray to be two things to me. <laughs> <laughs> One, he would be our personal chef because Anne loves it when he cooks. Yeah, yeah. And two, he would be my personal fashion fashionista. He would be my personal shopper. Okay, put it this way. From now on, every Christmas, I am putting John together. Every Christmas. Oh, that's nice. I'm, I will <laughs> put nice. you together. By the 10th Christmas, you'll be so shiny. I'll be ready to go. So <laughs> You see him shining? You see me shining? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll see John shining by the 10th Christmas, like 10 years from now. Love it. All right. <laughs> What's next? Big Cookie's next. Uh, just watched, <laughs> just watched, <clears throat> pardon me, just watched Ratatouille for the first time last night and loved it. Ray, did you ever watch it? Thoughts on the movie? Yes, I did. And I loved it. I really liked it. <clears throat> yeah. For the I longest. mean, it, it was all me. Um, the voice. Oh, I guess we're cute. We did a movie night yeah. in the theater room. Wasn't you- that Patton Oswalt? Yep, Patton Oswalt does the you- voice. How good is that movie? Yeah, it's good. I, I actually want to watch it again, but um, I was watching something with Chris Pratt, and uh, one of the things was, what was your nickname in high school or whatever? Pratt Tattooey? Pratt Tattooey. <laughs> that was one of the answers. It wasn't the right answer, but I just thought that was clever. I'm going to call him that from now on. Pratt Tattooey. All right, what's next? All right. Mighty Tank One uh, wants to know Did you ever watch the Spider Man game cutscene movie? Truly a top tier uh, story on the same level as Into the Spider Verse for me. I, I did, and I thought it was really good. I don't have it anywhere near as good as Spider Man Into the Spider Verse story, but but it was really quite good. It's, it's one of the better video game cutscene movies. Um, I've seen it's it's really really quite good. I like it a lot. Uh, is he talking about the Miles Morales one? No, no, probably the first one, the original. Oh, okay. One. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Uh, Gannon writes, "Hey guys, have any of you seen the Changeling with George?" C. Oh yeah, Scott? absolutely. Mm-hmm. If so, what are your thoughts? Super underrated, in my opinion. Underrated. I almost everybody I know who has seen it really speaks highly of it. I I don't know that I would call Maybe it's, it's not talked about it. Maybe it's, it's oh. under acknowledged, but I don't think I would call it underrated. Angelina Jolie did a remake of it. Oh, but okay. Is he talking about the original? He's talking about the original. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Never mind. I only saw the Yeah, remake. I was. Yeah. So, well, I think it's probably not appreciated or known as much as it deserves. I, I don't know that I call it underrated, but it, yeah, it's great. I, I think it's great. Anyway, I love George C. Scott. I loved him. He had such a great commanding presence. He was even in that first Drew Barrymore Firestarter. Remember that? Uh, a lot of people didn't like that movie. I thought the movie was great. No, yeah, I remember movie. that. All right, what's next? Wow. Uh, right. I, actually, I even I even liked um, his um, uh, a Christmas Carol. His version of it. Oh, I totally forgot He's about that. He's not British, and he carried that. You know. Uh, Jaden Voss writes, what is each of your guys' favorite It's So Bad It's Good movie for me? Uh, for me, it's tied with Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey and oh my God. Birdemic 1. Never heard of Birdemic. A friend one. of mine is actually in Birdemic. I have a, a friend of mine that she's in that movie. Um, uh, uh, it, it's, it's Vanilla Ice, Cool as Ice. What, what's that movie with uh, Carrie Russell and the birds hit the house and it's about aliens? Oh, about the, oh what was, was the it name Dark of Skies? That? Dark Skies. Oh, yeah. That I think was, it's Dark Skies. You enjoyed that? I love, just because <laughs> the buildup to that was so good. And then you got the aliens like, oh. But you know what? I love that movie. I don't care. Yeah, for me, Vanilla Ice, Cool as Ice. What about you, Jonathan? I don't know. I have to think about that. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I know, like, I could say, like, the pirate movie from 1980 or 81 was, like, my guilty pleasure. Oh my God. But I, I do not say that it's so bad. It's good. I just say it's good. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh. I'd have to think about that. All right. What's next? All right. Dildar the Glorious writes, finally got to watch Dungeons and Dragons nice. last night. I still need to see it. Um, it was awesome. That's how you do an adaptation. It's almost criminal. It didn't do well at the box office. It deserved better. Mm-hmm. So Dungeons and Dragons faced cup a couple of big, big, big obstacles. Obstacle number one was the fact that there already was a Dungeons and Dragons movies, and it's one of the worst big Hollywood released movies ever made. So it had that going against it. The other thing it had going against it is people, a lot of people who never played Dungeons and Dragons or don't understand Dungeons and Dragons just probably go like, well, I don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons, so I'm not going to go see the movie. So it had a lot of that working against it. So I'm not surprised the movie didn't do great financially. That being said, the movie is wonderful. It's a wonderful movie. And the best thing about it was people came out who had never played Dungeons and Dragons saying, I never played Dungeons and Dragons. That movie was great. So I believe if they have the guts to do so, because I th- believe it was a Paramount release. I yeah, think. yeah. And it's yeah. on Paramount Plus right now. So go see it. Go watch it. So <laughs> I believe if they have the testicular fortitude to do it, I honestly believe that if they move ahead and make another one. Now that they kind of broke the seal, now that they put out a really good one and the word of mouth about it was so good, I think you would see, unlike if they did another Shazam, which I think the box office just continues to go down, if you do another Dungeons & Dragons movie, I think next time you get much better financial results. So I hope they realize that going, like I hope they realize going into it, this first one won't make a ton of money, but we're going to do the first one because it'll start to rehabilitate the image of Dungeons and Dragons as a movie franchise. We'll get great word of mouth and then we start making money with the sequel. So I hope they do that. All right, what's next? All right. Um, Augustine Setasetis, I uh, hope I said that right, says, have you watched the latest Ted Lasso episode? It got me in <laughs> tears and even more when I realized next week could be the last episode ever. Next week will be the last episode ever. What? Um, yeah, yeah they're, they're, this is the final final season. Wow, I had no idea. Um, I, I don't like where they're going. <laughs> And, and I say that emotionally. I don't like where they're going, but it was a one. You know what it was? I said this to Anne last night when we watched the newest episode, Ted Lasso. I said, this really felt like Ted Lasso season one. Like it really had a season one kind of, and I've loved this season. Don't get me wrong, but it, it just had a lot of that, that feeling that Ted Lasso had in its very first season, uh, which some argue might be the best season was the first one. Um, but yeah, they are clearly setting everything up that next week, next week is, the last episode of the season, yes, but it's probably the last episode of the show. And it feels like they're bringing everything to a conclusion. Um, and uh, that makes me sad because I love this show. I could continue watching this show for a long time. All right, what's next? All right, Brendan M. asks, uh, hi, all. Hi, all. Hope you're all well. About the discussion over why sites like AMC, I'm guessing he means like AMC Plus, don't seem to fix the crashing problem. I'm wondering if it's possible it's not worth the cost and infrastructure and such in their eyes to stop something from happening only every once in a while. Here's the problem. He's talking about the ticket sales. Yeah. Sometimes it brings it down. The Uh, problem is that that little problem once in a while can represent hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost sales. Because guess what? When the last big Star Wars movie or the last big Marvel movie or whatever came out and people went to AMC to buy their tickets and that site didn't load, it crashed, couldn't get in, whatever, guess what people did after trying for a couple of minutes? They went and looked somewhere else. 
whether it was Fandango or Adam Tickets or Regal. 4DX, baby. (laughs) Yeah, or wherever. When people got sick and tired of trying to get the AMC site to load, they went elsewhere. I know that's happened to me on at least two occasions that I tried first to go to AMC and I ended up getting my tickets somewhere else. And that in the long run costs them, I do not think it's an exaggeration, in the hundreds of thousands, maybe even the millions of dollars. Um, So I'm not quite sure that financial, besides the fact that you're creating a really bad experience for your customers that couldn't get their tickets and all that kind of stuff, it's just bad financial decision because you're just losing out on a lot of money. So yeah, put up the extra money, get your infrastructure in place. So make sure when customers come to give you money, they are able to give you money in a non-hassle kind of way. And and, and you provide the option of picking your own seat. How crazy is that? And you can't even get your thing right about, uh, you know, people actually being able to choose and get into the site when a big movie comes out. I think that's very, uh, I I just think they're overlooking the importance of having a, a, a good a uh, site, a good working a, site. A good solid background. Now look, in their defense, on some of those movies, like when the Endgame tickets came out and stuff like that, in their defense, they weren't the only ones that had their site crashing, right? Like almost everybody had problems. But again, it does highlight, you got to get your ducks in order here because if people come to give you money and they can't open your doors, they're going to go give that money to somebody else. So right. so get it fixed. And, and if people are able to get tickets from a third party Adam tickets yeah. to your to your uh theaters there there's a problem there you know we, yeah. we should be able to go to AMC and get the tickets there not go through something else all right, what's next? I mean, right. Uh, have you started watching Silo on Apple TV yet? <laughs> Not yet. I'm three episodes <laughs> in, and it's really good. Uh, very City of Ember-esque, but more gritty. The mystery aspect aspect is great. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is awesome. You know what? Anne wants very badly to watch this show. I do, too. I keep so forgetting. You should, you should come over, and we should start watching it, because, I, because we want to start watching it, too. I've heard nothing but great, fabulous things about it, so we got to get on that. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right, uh, real one, uh, real talk, right? A red one, real talk, right? Uh, I know we got a cast update for the Avatar The Last Airbender series on Netflix, but is that show ever going to launch? It's going. It's been ages since they first announced it, and I'm not as excited as I was uh, at first. These shows take time. Yeah, they, they announced that they were doing it and who their cast is going to be, but these shows take time. Uh, to put together, especially when it's season one. Like once you've done your first season, you've got a lot of your sets and you've got your world and you got all that kind of stuff. You can get moving on other seasons a lot easier, but it takes a, it takes years of development, especially for something like in the fantasy element. It takes years of development. So yeah, this show is coming. Mm. Uh, and I have a feeling it's going to be really good because other than HBO, other than HBO, which are the the grand high standard bearers, Netflix does the next best job of putting series together. I don't think anybody else other than HBO does it better than Netflix does for their TV series. So not that they haven't had a few misses. Of course they have. Cowboy Bebop, for example. But but most of the time, mm-hmm. their shows are excellent. So I think it's going to be really this, good. This is going to get that Stranger Things love. It's going to be one of their properties that they like cherish. If it's and, good. Yeah, if it's good. Yeah. This is going to be one that they baby like Stranger Things. 
All right, guys. And uh, I think that's all the time we have for today's episode of the John Campy Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Thank If you were listening to this on our podcast feed, thank you so much for subscribing to our podcast. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, make sure you jump down into the comments below and leave your thoughts about any of the topics that we discussed here today. Big special thank you to those of you guys who are our YouTube channel members who sent in those questions. We got through as many as we could, and we'll get through some even more tomorrow. So... For myself, Ray Aura, Jonathan Voiko, my name's John Camby, guys. Thanks so much for being here. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.